0: Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with Psychic Medium Stephanie Burke. Hello.
1: Hello, What's, how are you? Where was
0: that background noise coming from?
1: I have no idea. I don't
0: know either. Must be ghosts. Places haunted. So I've heard. The um the, the discussion came up a few times since I've been filling in in the news over the last mm-hmm. month in the mornings, the discussion came up a few times about the building being haunted and did it. Some of the activity that's going on here and Casey backed up some of the strange things that have happened.
1: Well, it's been happening for years. And we're here late night, so we see most of it.
0: I'm here alone a lot too. Right. And what's funny is the the stuff that used to always happen to me is not happening anymore, the more that I'm here. So I think whatever's here is just like used to me, yeah. Yeah. But like before when I would be here you know, coming in at different times Mm -hmm. for for working on different things before I worked here full time, you know, it would be, there'd be activity. But now.
1: Do you think it has more to do with certain people not being in the building anymore? You know, if, if an energy comes in that the spirits don't like, it would be a little bit more active to show that they're upset. um,
0: I don't know. I think part of it might be that there's, uh, there's the comfort factor of mm-hmm. you know knowing pretty much everybody that's around and not having an issue with it. I think part of it too was like a lot of the activity that would happen. I mean we still get the light, this light will still turn on on its own from time to time. Which
1: is super strange I think it's probably the most popular thing that happens around here.
0: In fact, with the shot that we have on, mm-hmm. you can see the window behind us on spooky tv yeah, so spooky southcoast.com and that is the dubbing studio. And if you look uh, behind Stephanie on mm-hmm. her shot on spooky TV you'll see the open door that goes out into the hallway now spatially just so that you know if you have never seen an episode where we we used to have a, a wide shot that would cover the whole studio before we had so many people in here and we needed so many cameras mm-hmm. we, we're, we're down to just two that's all we need one of the computers died uh, one of the cameras died last week but basically Stephanie and I are sitting right across from each other so the way that it looks like we are on, on camera that's actually how we're sitting. So we will see this black mass when that door is closed. You can't really see the door behind Stephanie's head too much, but there's a, a window in that door. Mm-hmm. And when that door is closed, because we usually have the door closed when we're doing the show and we just forgot to close it tonight. But usually what will happen is you'll see mm-hmm. some shadowy figure walk by that window and then walk into the dubbing studio and there's a light in there that is motion 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 controlled and it'll just come on and you know there was a guy that would work here and would would come in and do some voiceover work um because he worked another job too and he would come in in his off hours from his other job so he might finish that job up at midnight then come in at midnight to come in and do some voiceovers and you know gazelle who works at fun 107 he comes in here at all different hours to get stuff done because of his schedule so You know, it's not uncommon for us to see somebody kind of walk by that window and go into that room. But what would be really weird is it would happen and then there'd be nobody in the dubbing studio.
1: Right. And every time I would bring it up, you're like, oh, it's just so-and-so. Don't worry about it. And you'd look in the the parking lot because on the other side of us, what you can't see is a wall of windows where we can see everything that goes on outside. And we both look over. We're the only two in the parking lot and we're the only two in the building. And now, since they've updated security, we can hear when someone's at the door. Right. There's, we know.
0: So if somebody comes in, if somebody needs to come in and they don't have a key, they buzz in. Right. So we would hear that. There's a, a box right here in the studio that would tell us that somebody wants to come in. There's also, uh, you know, we use fobs. Right. So if you come in with a fob, you'll still hear the buzzer. Yep. And then you'll hear the door. We have double doors. We have door to the outside and then there's a door in mm-hmm. the inside hallway. So you hear two doors slam before you would see a person. So, if we hear those doors and then we don't see anybody come down this way, you know, it's, it's concerning. So, we're paying attention to that because right. generally anybody that would have to come in here, unless they're just coming in to use the, the restroom or something, maybe they live in the parking lot and they just need to come in and use the bathroom. <laughs> but otherwise, it would be somebody coming down this way because right. they would need to be doing work in this area. So, it's, and usually most people would have the common decency to say, Hey, guys, it's just me you know, at least pop their head in and wave, you know, like if Tim Dunn's going to come in or and work on a new story, us he usually us they're coming in, right. He'll usually pop his head in and just say, Hey, just so you know yeah. that I'm here. And it's a good courtesy to have anyway, because you know, if we leave, we might set the alarm. And then when you walk out of the room that you're in, you'll set the alarm off. So, but anyway, that's, uh, that's what we were discussing. And and I was talking too about the, the kitchen. The kitchen was where most of the activity would be, uh, What's, what's the word? Uh, perceivable, we'll say, because in the old kitchen setup, which wasn't really a kitchen, it was just a couple of counter, it was just a countertop with some cabinets and a yeah. microwave. But the old setup, I would find the cabinets would be open. Yes, I would go into the restroom. The cabinets would be closed. I'd walk out of the restroom; they'd all be open. Now with the new kitchen, it, we don't really have that happen anymore. Right, and I don't know if that's because it's harder to open the new cabinets. I don't know if. You know, maybe the old cabinets were familiar uh, just from a debunking standpoint. Mm -hmm. Maybe they were like sagging or at an angle or something. And so me walking by would create enough shift for them Mm -hmm. to open. I don't know. But whatever it is, uh, you know, that part of it has seemed to seem to stop a little bit. But for the most part, it's been quiet around here. You know, and it's you hear voices in here anyway. Right. So. Because what happens is we have a whole, my office is right across, my office is literally right behind Stephanie. Um, That's the window to my office that you can Mm -hmm. see behind her. So right across from that is all the broadcasting equipment in that room. And so we have different feeds that will come in. So if ABC News has something that's breaking news, you'll hear them say, "Uh, this is ABC News. We have an update at, you know, 10.04 and we're Mm going to have some, we'll go live to the White House. And so that kind of stuff is feeding through all the time. We have a, a radio in there that we monitor the AM feed on. So that is usually up just a little bit so that we can hear it. Right so you but you kind of get used to those sounds and you you learn when something sounds different well,
1: sometimes we have music coming from the other studios sometimes we have I police try to turn scanners down as much as I can going on I know it's but, so loud um, you know sometimes you do come in and there's a lot of different noises depending on who is in here who is working the volumes are always different so but you kind of get used to that you come in you hear almost weekly for my well for me but for you daily now mm-hmm. um, but then there's just that one voice that happens sometimes that you know doesn't belong
0: and uh, so I, I don't want to. It's it's hard because I don't want to like talk about the people. Right, right, right. But we've had a few um, of our fellow employees that have passed away. Uh, actually, we had two people pass away in back-to-back days last December, and one of them worked in the newsroom, and we would have the same conversation every night. And, uh, and as I was I was leaving, I'd always say, you know, first of all, it was very rare that I left before him anyway. Just because I just keep insane hours here, mm-hmm. but if I did leave, I'd be like, okay, well, I'm leaving. Have a good night.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: then he would always say, have a good night. Mm-hmm. And so, one night, I, I've made a habit of saying good night to him anyway, and to the other person that passed away, right? Um, because I always have to go back to the sales area and turn off the light back there, so I always say good night to her back there, and right. I say good night to him as I go by the newsroom. And uh, and one night, I actually said, you know, like, all right. Have, you know, good night. And I heard clear as day. Did you? Have a good night. So.
1: That hurts my heart a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean. Uh,
1: Maybe a
2: lot.
0: I've, uh, th- this person, I'm, I mean, I guess it was JR. Right. You know, everybody that grew up in this area, they know junior <laughs> Mm-hmm. But, uh, when, you know, when he was working in the morning at Fun 107, you know, everybody that does a JR impression, it's always the same. Morning. Yeah, because that's what he would say to everybody. Right, and so uh, I made it a habit when I was in the newsroom, you know, for the past month, coming in at at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. Right, I would walk in. Except for the, <laughs> a couple of days, I was late. <laughs> Actually, yeah, uh, I woke up at six a.m. the other day. Did you I thought thought Michael Rock was going to kill me, but uh, he he understood. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, I would make it a habit when I walked in. I'm saying like, morning. Mm-hmm. So you know, just a little. Little tribute, even if he's not hanging around in there. But uh, and I keep always, his spirit alive yeah. for sure. So anyway, uh, this w- welcome back. It's been a, a little while yes, since you've has. been in. Well, actually, you were in a couple weeks ago, but we decided not to do a show. So. Right.
1: So I did make an effort for everybody that has been asking, and it's funny because all the the live feeds I've done on Facebook or any little posts that I've done, people have been asking, "When are you going to make it back to Spooky South Coast?" So I promised I'd be here this week, and I was I was a little late, but I'm here. So.
0: Yeah, a couple it's of weeks ago, time. I was coming from wrestling. You were coming from an event. Yeah, uh, you had some friends with you, and and it was just you know, just such a busy day. Yeah, that nobody really had any time to decompress for right. us. We didn't want to jump right into a show. Uh, so, but we're we're here this week, and you know, maybe we'll be here next week. We'll we'll see what happens. But the um, mm-hmm. the this week we we're gonna have the chance to talk to some folks coming up in a few moments, and uh, we're gonna be joined on the phone. By Corey and Roxanne, they mm-hmm. are the two people who have purchased The Conjuring House. Okay. The actual farmhouse. Not the, not the one from the movie. You know, not the, not the, the site where the, the movie books. was filmed. We're talking the actual house where this took place in, uh, in Harrisville, Rhode Island, which, you know, we'll, we'll get into kind of what's been going on over the history of that location because it hasn't been – it's had a weird history, On top of the paranormal activity that goes on, it's been kind of strange, the saga of what's been going on between the family that live there when the Conjuring story took place and the woman who owned the house. Mm -hmm. And then now, you know, trying to find out what's going on with it now. uh, There was a news report that came out uh, a few days ago from Channel 10. R.J. Heim over at Channel 10. um, He's a meteorologist, but Mm -hmm. he loves the paranormal. Which is awesome, and I, and I think you know it's it's funny because he is directly um, associated with Andy Lake's dad, yes. Art Lake. Art Lake was the the weatherman at Channel Ten for a long time, and and I be, and RJ and and Art worked together. I mm-hmm. believe RJ has been there for a long time, so I'm pretty sure that they worked together, and they. I should have had Andy come in because he yeah. said that he's willing to come in. And I, and I just forget to let him know. Mm-hmm. Andy, if you're listening, you're welcome anytime. Don't wait for me to invite you. But uh, RJ has an interest in this. And so whenever there's anything paranormal that happens, he goes out and he he's, serves as a reporter mm-hmm. on these stories. So he went to the the farmhouse and he got some information and he tried to get them to come on for an on-screen interview, but I guess they didn't want to, or for whatever reason, they couldn't work it out. Mm -hmm. So I believe this is the first time they're really going to give the details about what's going on. Okay. So we tried to have them on last week. There was some, just some issues where they weren't able to join us. Uh, So I think we'll get, I think we're going to have the exclusive here tonight. Okay. And we'll see, um, we'll see what they have to say because it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept based on what I've just seen from what they put on social media. Right. It's it's they started a page, the Conjuring House mm-hmm. page, and they list it as being a nonprofit organization. So I want to find out exactly what that's all about, and we're going to find out what the plan is, what the future plans, are, and how this came about. Because from my understanding, and, and I don't, I haven't had conversations directly with either party in this. This is just something that I don't even know where I picked this up, this information. But it was my understanding that Andrea Perrin had wanted to buy back the house. She did.
1: Um, and, and, and
0: Norma had told her no.
1: Right. So Andrea actually made a public post about this. Okay. Um, obviously because I'm sure she felt she had to because this was her childhood home mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden it's being exploited on Facebook. Um, so she did mention that Norma had made it clear that she would never sell the house to her. So, I mean, I'm sure there's other ways to have bought the house, but... Who knows? Um, who knows where Andrea is in her life and what she truly wanted or anything like that. We'd have to talk to her as well. Um, and here at Spooky South Coast, we always make sure to get every angle of every story, um, no matter what's happening. So I'm not sure what's going on there. I'm, I'm sure we're, we're going to find out in quite a few minutes.
0: Well, the other the other part of it, too, is I know that there was uh, there was an issue. And we can get into all of this with, with yeah. Corey and Roxanne. But there was an instance where... Norma was quite upset about what was going on when the Conjuring movie came out, and people were coming to her house and walking through her yard at night and looking at her windows, and so she was very upset about what was going on. And she actually filmed uh, film. She actually sued the film company. Yep. And and she won, or she <laughs> she got a she got a settlement, uh, but she couldn't talk about that settlement as a result of it. But she wanted to give us all kinds of information. Right. She mailed me a huge packet in the mail. With all the true story that, you know, Andrea wasn't telling people and the real story of Bathsheba Sherman, all this stuff. Like, and then the idea was that I kept saying, like, you have to come into the studio to talk about it or at least call us on the phone. And um, and she was actually going to have us go to the house. Yes. And and broadcast the show from there. But we couldn't work it out because she didn't have what we needed Mm -hmm. from a technical standpoint. So then it was going to become, well, then we have to go there and record the show. Yeah. And then I said, I can't have you on and not have Andrea on, and that's when the Which, whole thing Like was I shut talked down. about,
1: we always listen to every single side of everything because we're, we're fair.
0: So uh, I believe we have uh, at least uh, one of our two guests on the line. Uh, good evening. Uh, this is Spooky South Coast. Who do we have on the line?
3: Uh, this is uh, Corey and Jen Hines.
0: Okay. You guys, you guys are both on one phone together? Yes. All right. So uh, congratulations on your purchase, first of all. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we were just talking about how, you know, uh, from what we understand, there was no public on sale for the house, right? Norma hadn't put it up as being publicly for sale.
3: Uh, No, she didn't. Uh, We we had just uh, found out that she was trying to do it as a private sale because I guess there was a lot of speculation about, like, people trying to, like, silently bid on it and stuff like that so she was kind of concerned with that from what i was being told so we just got in at the right right time i guess
0: so there were there were other people that were making an offer at the same time
3: Uh, from my understanding there was so
0: So, i mean how did you come across the idea of, of purchasing the house was it did you see something about it being for sale or did you just kind of blindly contact her and say hey if you're ever looking to sell this would be something we'd be interested in buying
3: Actually, there was a group on Facebook that I'm a member of that I just came across the post that said that uh, Norma was selling or looking to sell, and uh, I made a few phone calls, Roxanne made a few phone calls, and uh, we got in touch with her and her realtor, and uh, the rest went down history, I guess.
0: So, uh, I mean, would you be comfortable letting us know what, what you paid for the house?
3: I mean, it's it's public knowledge, but uh, just uh, four hundred forty thousand.
0: So the question that I have then is that price based on the actual evaluation of the land and of the property, or are we taking some of the notoriety into uh, into account with that price? Do you feel do you feel like that was a, a fair price for what the the house and the land actually are?
3: Honestly, uh, yes. I mean, that's what the appraisal came back at, came back as. I mean we wouldn't have been able to take out the loan for that amount unless they're appraised for that. So I feel that it was a fair valuations.
0: So really Norma wasn't looking to kind of cash in on this. She was just selling the, the, the farmhouse and the land for what, for what the fair market value was for it.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yes. Because you know, you know how it goes. Sometimes people, you well, know, of
1: course, you know, known houses go for a lot more money. Um, now my question to you is um, I don't think it's a secret. You guys are up in Maine, correct?
3: Yeah, for the time being, yes,
1: <laughs> okay, and so is your plan to move to Rhode Island? Is that um the idea behind moving or, or purchasing this home, or um were you planning to stay in maine it's I mean Maine and Rhode Island are close enough but not next door to each other.
4: <laughs> yeah, we were planning
3: on moving down it's just uh it's kind of a slow process um we're We're trying to fix up the house uh it wasn't that bad, but I mean where it was built, you know circa 1736 what what have you i mean there's a lot of uh you know problems as far as like insect uh well, damage right. yeah floorboards and stuff like that so need to be, sorry go ahead oh no no i was just saying they just needed to be fixed up just you know for safety's sake so
0: so is the plan to live in the house or or are you going to use the house for something else
3: Uh, We're going to live in the house, um, but we're open to, you know, possibly letting tours through, like, in in the future. I mean, because it's a historic building, just like you guys were saying earlier. There's no reason, you know, not to let people in and, and take a look at, you know, what they couldn't see.
0: So... Well, I mean, I guess there is one reason not to let them in. It'll be your home. Right. <laughs> I mean, you can going let people just kind of traipse through your house and, and, and take a tour of your home. That's, that's, a, that's a sacrifice. Is, is, is it the only building on the property?
3: Uh, I mean, it's the only building as far as livable buildings. Okay. You know, there's a barn and, you know, a few sheds.
1: But So what do you plan to do about, um, you know, you said tours and and I'm assuming you mean possible investigations as well. Now, that, that might get sticky or tough um, being, I'm not sure how they do it in Maine, but I know in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, they're really strict on commercial versus resi- residential properties and um, profiting off of anything that's on a residential property. So do you plan on zoning or trying to zone the house as commercial instead?
3: No. Uh, what we plan on doing is, like, everything, everything that we're going to do is, is just hi- historical tours, um as far as profiting off of it we weren't planning on profiting off of it um you know people will come in look at what they want to look at stuff like that now if people want to come in and film and try to profit off film and stuff like that i mean that would be something we'd have to talk over with a lawyer i'm assuming Mm -hmm. so
2: so
1: you just plan on letting people in for free into your home? For the
3: time, I mean, for the time <laughs> being, I mean, I got a lot of friends and stuff that want to take a look at it. I mean, we're going to investigate it, I know that, so.
1: Well, I mean, investigating your own house is definitely, um, <laughs> you know, it's yours. It's Right. Sometimes it's, it's a good idea, sometimes it's bad right. I mean, I personally don't think I'd want to, um, but, you know, that's just me. You know, I like to live some places, investigate other places.
0: You, you also don't live in the Conjuring house, too, Stephanie. Um,
1: no, but the house that I grew up in is just as old, so.
0: Right, but, you know, you want to. You want to see for yourself if the stories that you've heard. Of course, are you know, right? If so. You
1: know, it's not something that you grew up in, you live in, it might be different. But um, you know, I don't, I don't know how I would feel about people coming in and investigating, or just kind of like you know, once I start living there, I would, I should say, I don't know how I would feel about just strangers coming in, checking out, seeing what I have. Um, you know, there's a well, whole other lo- There's a whole other side be, to that. Listen, I know
0: people in the paranormal. I'd be very right. worried about them being in that close proximity exactly. to my underwear drawer.
1: Right. Well, maybe not well, even I mean, just if that. It, I mean, we got cameras up. I mean, if they start <laughs>
3: rummaging through our underwear drawing stuff,
1: they're like, whoa. You know, it's just it's just strange. Or, you know, like, what if they wait till you're not home? You know?
0: Um, well, that, that's that been a problem at that location. Right. People, you know, going there and and trying to legend trip at the at the Conjuring house. I mean, that's something that that Norma, you know, had a huge had a problem, huge problem with. with. And that's probably the whole reason why you were able to buy the house is because she probably had enough of that.
3: Yeah, I think uh was... With- like the Annabelle movie that just came out yep. and then them filming the new uh what Conjuring 3 it just adds more, you know, fuel to the
1: fire so Yeah, they had um a lot of vandalism, a lot of problems, a lot of people showing up at all hours of the night um when the first movie came out. So, and that was gosh, years ago now.
0: 6 years ago. There was yeah. a
1: there was a call out to local paranormal teams that they were kind of just going to the property and sitting there and hanging out trying to like all hours of the night yeah, to make sure guarding, that people yeah. weren't going to harm anything because people were just coming in droves and in buses pretty much and getting dropped off so it is tough it's it's a tough location to live at
0: yeah so i mean sorry go ahead
3: we're older so i, I think we're you know we're i've kind of dealt with stuff like that you I know in the military so
0: i don't know if you've I, dealt I, with I, that <laughs> basically what he's saying is if you come yeah. to my yard without my permission i'm gonna you know yeah, remove you I, physically
1: no, yeah, exactly. which, I, you know, makes sense. But, you know, when there's 100 people standing outside, it's a little tough. And, you know, the police even had a tough time keeping up with it. It was really it was it was kind of controversial at that time. Yeah.
0: So. I mean,
1: so I wouldn't let them in your house for free.
0: <laughs> right. If they're out in the yard, at least get five bucks a head, you know.
1: Yeah. No, that's a good point. I
3: mean.
0: <laughs> yeah again, but you'd have to be commercial because Rhode Island's tough. Well, you could have the most successful lemonade stand every year too yes, like, that be you might
1: <laughs> that's a good idea
0: That'd be so... <laughs> it's like have the haunted lemonade from the conjuring house. I, I did notice that on Facebook you have listed the the conjuring house page as, as a nonprofit organization are you have you formed an actual nonprofit organization or do you plan to form one to, uh, to be able to handle whatever it is that you're going to be doing with the house?
3: Uh, We labeled it as a non-profit just because the historical value of the property and stuff. Um, We kind of wanted to follow what Norma had actually had set up with, you know, the the story about the Arnold estate and stuff like that. And just as you guys were saying earlier, you know, giving an unbiased approach, you know, because we're not there to, you know, prove or disprove anybody's claims. You know, we just, you know, this is what everybody's been told, you know, give it to them as, you know, you see fit. What do you guys come up with?
0: Well, it, and as we know, I mean, we talked about it a little bit leading into into the, the call with you guys, that Norma and, and Andrea did not see eye to eye on the history mm-hmm. of the property. Uh, you know, and, and Andrea has her story about what happened to her. Norma has her story about what happened to her, which she then recanted and said wasn't true, which is, I don't, I don't want to question her, but, you know, it's kind of disingenuous to, you know, put yourself on an episode of Ghost Hunters, and then when people are showing up in your yard saying, well, none of that stuff ever happened, Um, but, you know, all that, all that aside, when it comes to the historical version Andrea worked with her historians to find out what went on on the, on the history of that property. Norma worked with her historians, and, to, and 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 the two stories did not equate. They did not jibe. So there's there was a lot of tension between the two of them over that. I saw that firsthand. Uh, you know, when when the two of them kind of exploded at each other right in front of my face. Joe Chin and yeah. I will will still forever be traumatized by that. Mm-hmm. But the <laughs> but the um the that how, how will you try and uh and and make those two histories kind of come together or are you just going to do your own research and, and come up with your own your own backstory and your own conclusions
3: uh to be honest with you like i'm just gonna take take it all in and i would rather if people were to come into the home once we figure out what's legal and what's not legal <laughs> mm-hmm. um let them make their own you know conclusions you know a lot of people come in and say you know we're going off andrea's claims. And a lot of other people will be like, Well, Norma was on to something, then like, okay, then go with it because I'm not gonna tell you who's right and who's wrong because everybody has their own opinions on things and who am I to try to change that.
0: So now with with the eventual move down here, um, you know, as you know, this area has a a rich paranormal history to mm-hmm. it and uh, we're, we have a lot of different events that people will come to, and one of those events is actually coming up in a couple of weeks, the Ocean State Paracon, and, of course, Andrea will be here for that. Uh, and so I believe her, her father, Roger, will probably be with her as well if he's if he's feeling up to traveling. So will you have them come by the house, and uh, will you be part of the Ocean State Paracon activities? Is that part of the plan?
3: Uh, yeah, we, uh, we'll be there with... Uh... Well Roxanne's got a table there with the with which to situate and uh she'll have her gypsy wagon there and stuff. So we'll be we'll be sitting in on that. And uh Andrea had already told us that she wanted to meet up with us, so we'll break bread right there at the paragon and uh see where it goes from there.
0: I mean I know that she's had trouble getting back into that house because of Norma. Mm-hmm. Um so I mean I know that you know that's it's something that she 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 actually wanted to purchase the house herself has she contacted you at all and and said hey you know maybe maybe I can offer you a little bit more than what you paid for it have you heard anything from her at all
4: Uh she contacted
3: us and basically you know she she told us that you know she, she was upset that the house was sold but she was glad that it was in the hands of people that are in the field um she was very very nice about it um she put out a post to like her followers and stuff saying to help us out and support us and not like be angry by by us purchasing it so it was really like it was a, it was a nice gesture so i mean there's there's no reason that we wouldn't you know do the same in return to her
0: mm-hmm. Well and, and you guys purchased the house with Roxanne Jisparrow? Did is is it is she part of the purchase with you or is she just somebody that's gonna be working with you there? I mean, is, is it is it an equal partnership in, in what you're doing there?
3: Uh we purchased it, uh, me and my wife, Roxanne uh actually was the one that kinda like got us got us in contact with everybody. So she's gonna be basically the the house psychic for us and stuff and public lead historic tours and whatever else we decide to come up with, I guess. So,
0: So, but she won't be living there with you. It's not going to turn into a weird thing where, like, there's two couples living there at the same time.
3: No, we don't do that kind of stuff.
0: (laughs) The Warrens did, apparently, but uh, that's a different story. That's a whole different episode of Spooky South Coast. (laughs) So then um, you know with, with coming down here you know hopefully we'll get the chance to uh, to, to meet up and and, and get over there and, and check it out for ourselves. We've got some some um, you know questions of our own just based on some of the, the the story that we've heard going back to Keith Johnson was the first person to tell us about this house mm-hmm. years before the conjuring movie was ever you know coming out. He was pushing for us to have Andrea on and you know then when the when the conjuring came out, six years ago then it became okay now we kind of understand why he was you know talking about this case for so long so there's there's still you know there's still some people uh, around that were touched by that story so it'll be interesting to see you know as they can come in and and, and visit with you see kind of how those memories get stirred up and, and and what else can happen so you're not concerned at all though about you know the stories that you've heard from from andrea and from seeing the movie which was kind of true and and then reading her books uh you're not concerned at all about the activity that's going on there or, or i mean on we've,
3: there. we've witnessed the activity like it's nothing like what like harmful mm-hmm. i mean but it's definitely like interactive almost like a playful nature you know opening and closing doors the sound like there's been a lot of uh like touching which is kind of strange like rubbing the back and stuff like that Uh, sounds of like sweeping the floors and stuff which was really neat so
0: well, i mean and you know you're experienced so you know what to expect it's not like you're a it's not like you're a family moving in that has no Mm -hmm. uh, history with the paranormal like the like the parents were when they moved in so if if you encounter something you kind of you know what to expect
3: yeah uh, um you know, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna go in there and be like the know it all expert and stuff. I mean just take it as it goes. I, I have a good I got a good base of friends that know enough about it. I mean Keith and Carl have like offered to come out and do lessons on the house and give us a backstory on it and I mean everybody's been very supportive so I mean that's that really helps too.
0: Right. I I can imagine that, you know, when you've got that kind of support from the people who have been there and and who have experienced what's gone on in that house, you know, it's good to have them in your corner. But, you know, it's also good, too, to have, um, you know, to have your own basis and, you know, to know what to expect. It's knowing when walking in there, knowing that it has this history will kind of help you be prepared to deal with whatever might happen. So hopefully it stays friendly like it has been and, and doesn't, you know, take a turn. But. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of that will just be making sure that you, you know, you you show the the property and the house and the farmhouse the the love that whatever's there wants you to show it. Absolutely. I mean, let's face it. Nobody's gonna you know spend that much money on a farmhouse to to not take care of it, right? Exactly. Especially if exactly. you're gonna live there.
3: Precisely.
0: All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for joining us and for, for giving us the, the story on this. And, uh, and I'll, I'll look forward to talking with you a little bit more at the Ocean State Paracon.
3: Thank you guys very much for having us.
0: All right. Good. Are you there now or are you in Maine?
3: Uh, I came up to Maine. Uh, my son's got a football game tomorrow, and then uh, I'll be back uh, Sunday night.
0: All right. Well, tell the ghosts over there that we said hello to.
3: <laughs> I certainly will. All
0: right. Take care. Take care. Corey and Jen Hines and the new owners of the Conjuring House joining us here on Spooky South Coast, giving us the inside scoop. And that is, um, you know, that's the big concern, Stephanie, was when somebody buys Mm -hmm. a property of significance like this in the the paranormal world. I'm the the thing I'm the most concerned about is are they buying it because they just want to add it to their resume because they want to put it into their, you know, quote-unquote collection of things that they have done, mm. or do they want to take care of it? And if you're going to live in the house, you're going to take care of it. So, at least well, you would hope so. That's you know, I don't the,
1: think we got a clear answer on that.
0: In terms of if they'll care for the house? Yeah,
1: I think... Um, well, I
0: think, I think you're not going to spend that much money. In
1: no, I mean, that's a very significant amount of money, but if you're looking at it from a standpoint of, I can run a business and make my money back then, I mean, you're going to have to take care of the house in order to make it um, profitable, right? Well, inhabitable.
0: I mean, that's that's the thing that... Right,
1: but we don't know which one is going to be which. Um, because it sounds like on one end they want to live there, but then, you know, they were talking about having a house psychic and running historical tours, and they're going to investigate well, if, it, so...
0: But I think they're planning on... I think they think they can do both at the same time
1: i don't think that's possible i don't
0: i listen i mean maybe if you're a totally open person um, we
1: know people that have tried this
0: i know somebody that does it uh you know you've you've been there um <laughs> right to the uh the parson barnard house in north andover
1: right but that's that's um that's very that's a very special setup that's it, like a you live in an in-law apartment, and the rest of the historical home is closed well, off. They might be I able mean, to do the I mean, look at same. the place that we did in Rhode Island, and I can't remember the name of it. Um, when Porter first came up,
0: the uh, the Sprague Mansion. Yeah,
1: so they again live on the in-law place, but it, this doesn't really seem like it has that site, that type of setup.
0: Well, no, so, that so so the Sprague Mansion, I believe, is they just closed off part of the house, right? And um, so it's not really it's 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 not so much that they have a separate area to live in. They just said, from these doors over is our house. And and it's kind of the same thing at the Parson Barnard House, where they said, you know, this back area, we'll just make our residence, and then people can go into this older part, which I think because that back part might have been added on a little bit later right. on. But still, like, they're they're right there. And same with the Spray. So it, it can happen. It can work. Um, is it ideal? Not necessarily. And, and I say that because... Not so much from the perspective of if you're the person living there, you know, Does everybody's different. I mean, I could never have people be in my house investigating, but that's just me. Some people might say, listen, if I'm in another room and people want to investigate the rest of the house, that's fine with me. It's really weird. As an investigator, I don't know how I feel about having people living on the other side of the house, because if I'm picking up. Uh, you know, some some kind of disturbances, some kind of Mm -hmm. maybe electromagnetic field fluctuations. How do I know that's not because they're running the microwave in the apartment portion of the house? You know, so it's right. It's little you lose kind of that control. But if you're if you're legend tripping, then it's a different story. If you're going into the conjuring house and trying to conduct a, a full out serious investigation of it you might have some issues if they live there too but if you just want to go and take a tour right and be the you know say hey i got to go and tour the conjuring house like that's a different story and i think maybe that's probably where they're leaning more more so than having it's still serious and very bizarre
1: to let the public into your home for a tour because I mean, you could have anybody go in there and then see, oh, look at those flat screen TVs. Oh, I look at That's I, where they keep their safe. Like, that's really creepy because eventually you're not going to be home. And if you're splitting your time between Rhode Island and Maine and you're coming on a public radio show to tell people well, that you're now. going I mean, back and forth.
0: I don't think they're going to let people in there publicly until they live there. I
1: mean, whether you have cameras or not, it's still dangerous.
0: Uh, from what I understand, there's somebody that's that's taking care of the place for them while they're not there.
1: Well, either way, it's still Creepy, but, uh, but my 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 solid one question is, why do you need a house psychic to live in a house?
0: Well, I think they mean like for when they do have people come through, you know. Interest. But
1: again, do you, you, do, it just seems like they're looking to profit off of it.
0: Oh, I, I don't, I don't doubt that. Yeah, I don't doubt that. I, I mean, I think and is when that you, that
1: the right thing to do.
0: So that's the question we can put out to the audience: right. 508-996-0500. Again, I, I'm coming from the perspective of it though that I wouldn't, just because I need my house to be my house, and yeah. and you know I don't I don't even let people come over to visit me. Right. You know if people want to like hey we should get together like I'll meet you somewhere.
1: Right. I mean I've said and I, I, I don't
0: like to go over other people's houses either.
1: I clear the energy in my house even if my parents come over just because your energy footprint is your own, and that's it. And whether it's the most positive thing in the earth, it doesn't matter because it it's yours. And if somebody else that you have come over, which is could be filled with unicorns, rainbows, and sprinkles, it still clashes with your own energy because it doesn't belong to you. So having a bunch of people coming in all the time is just gonna disrupt everything. It's gonna disrupt spirits. We know people that have tried to do this, and it's it's affected them mentally, physically, um to the point where it's caused divorces. it's caused even you know worse than that. so I don't know. So, I just don't know how I personally feel about it.
0: There's some comments in the uh, chat room on Spooky TV on YouTube mm-hmm. where people are saying, you know, it sounds like the house is kind of dilapidated. Yep. And if you go to the Conjuring House Facebook page, you can see photos of the house. Matt Haas is not here, so we don't have the ability to kind yep. of throw some photos up on the screen. Uh, he's the genius that can do all that stuff. We're, we're just lucky we can press the buttons and get it going. But... um you can go to the Conjuring House Facebook page, and, and maybe we'll add them in in post, as, as Matt likes to say. We'll fix it in post. But you can go to that page, and you can see the the current status of the house. And it, it does look like it's in need of some TLC.
1: Yeah, but I wouldn't say it dilapidated for selling for right. $440,000. There's no way that house would have gone for that much if it was right. dilapidated.
0: Uh, well, so- I mean, but sometimes, you know, if you have enough land— then it's four hundred and forty thousand right. dollars, and oh, by the way, there's this house on but the property. But it was appraised well. at four
1: hundred and forty thousand, right. so there's no way because it would have been appraised for far less if it was dilapidated.
0: Well, again, depends on how much land is there and what the value of the land is. So if it's you know fifteen acres of, mm-hmm. of what they think is prime developable right. land, then yeah, you could go for that. And then they might say, hey, and you might want to spend you know eighty thousand dollars having that that farmhouse torn down. Mm-hmm. So that, then your house, then you're, because, you know, as you know, sometimes having a, a building on the property can actually lessen the value of the property, mm-hmm. as we're seeing with, uh, they're trying to sell the old Building 19 spot mm-hmm. here in New Bedford, and it's just, it's they can't get top dollar for that until they
1: remove the, remove building.
0: the old building that was right. there, and they have to do a lot of remediation there to be able to do that, so it's taking time, and right. basically it's just a money suck mm-hmm. that you're hoping will come out on the other end, so... You know, 440000 it could have been 500000 if there was no house in the property. You know, right. just as an example, I don't know, I wasn't involved in the negotiations, but I'm just, you know, throwing that out there. But it doesn't look like it's, like it's that bad. Uh, I know that Norma tried to keep things as rustic and right. historic as she could. So we'll see, you know, if that is the same way that, that Corey and Jen want to keep it. Obviously, if it's your home, you're going to want to do what you need to do. And... For example, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't live in a house that didn't have cable in it. But sometimes when you buy these older houses, nobody's bothered to put cable in them because the people who have owned them are older and don't care about cable, right? You know, so then I would have to be the the jerk that buys this historic house from the 1600s and says, "Well, now I've got to drill holes in the wall yeah. to put cable into all the rooms,"
1: which I mean is normal.
0: Right? I wouldn't though. Like I'd find other ways around it. <laughs> I'd be that guy that's like trying to run running
1: cord all over the place.
0: Yeah, trying to like run it around the doors. Yeah, I, I looked at a house in uh, in Plymouth. Not that I was interested in buying a house, but I looked at a mm-hmm. an old house in Plymouth that was from the 1660s, because I just happened to be at a at a lecture in Plymouth, and a woman who was a realtor said, "I've got this house literally right down the street. I'd like you to check it out," because she really wanted me to see if it, if I thought it was haunted, but I didn't really you know spend any time investigating. But uh, as she's walking me through the house, I'm thinking to myself like. There's a lot that needs to be done here, not only to modernize it, but also like to make it be a house from the 1660s. Like it was just a hodgepodge of of different eras as you walk through the house. And as I'm as I'm walking through, like the the biggest problem is the the floorboards are or feel like they're sponges, and it feels like they're giving away. And I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna have to replace these floorboards if I bought this house. She's like, Well, these floors were just replaced in the 1960s. I'm like, the 1960s or the 1760s, right? Because you know, I felt like I was going to fall through, and I'm, you know, I'm a bigger guy, whatever. But like, mm-hmm. what if I'm walking through there, like moving a dresser? You know, I'm, I'm really going to feel like the floors are going to give way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, you have to when you move into a place, you have to kind of make it your own. But at the same time, if you want to have that historical preservation, you got to keep that up. Uh, we do have a, a phone call. We have about two minutes. Let's see if we can see who's on the line. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. Hello.
3: yeah, I do believe that uh, the people buying it probably intend to profit off it, but I, I don't see anything wrong with that myself.
0: Well, I mean, I guess the hang-up with that is as long as they can get the zoning to do it.
2: Right.
3: The yeah, legalities. I mean, if they, can work, yeah, if they can work it out. But, I mean, I think that's ultimately probably why they did buy it. Probably curiosity and also long, long-term thinking to make a, a business
1: out of it, I believe.
0: Right, I do I do think they were playing coy a little bit with that. Right. Um, and probably because it, it's probably not zoned for exactly commercial yet, so they can't really say anything yet.
1: I think I would have inquired yeah. about that before I purchased it, though.
3: Yeah, I think they're probably just going to try, try to work the angle. They probably want to make, get like a deal like uh, uh, Lizzie Borden type, you
0: know. Have, right.
2: Uh,
3: to what through. I think that's like, But I don't see anything wrong with it. So if you right. can do it.
0: If they, if they get it going, are you going to go and visit? Uh,
4: possibly. Possibly.
0: All right. Well, thank you for the call, and uh, and thank you for the All thoughts. Right. Thanks. Have a good night. We are going to take Be a sure. break coming up. Uh, we will go to the news and um, run some commercials. Then we come back, we can discuss this a little bit further. We'll also have the Week in Weird for you, and we'll take your phone calls, 508-996-0500. We can talk about some of the other places that are like this, too, um and as I said, you know, they, they may have been playing coy because mm-hmm. if you're gonna go and try and get right zoning, you don't wanna stand there and, and say in front of the you know, the the Board of Zoning Appeals like, well, we've got all these plans of having people come every night and we'll have, you know, cars coming in and out yeah. and we're gonna have I think it's you know, gonna be really tough. loud noise and all that because you wanna keep it Yeah, you know
1: where, I imagine that where you
0: think people would be okay with it.
1: That neighborhood has already seen its fair share of craziness and they're not gonna go for that.
0: I mean, I'm not familiar enough with the neighborhood to know... It's a small town. ...like how far the neighbors are Like you sneeze and you can drive through it. So, you know, it'll it'll definitely be a a battle either way. And we've seen that battle happen with some of our other friends. We'll be back with more in just a bit.
5: Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena and much more download the paranormal radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment the paranormal radio app free in google play and the ios app store
0: back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with psychic medium Stephanie Burke and we are talking about the paranormal. That's what we talk about here Saturday nights on WBSM and on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com and also on the Paranormal Radio app. As you just heard, the little spot for, that's a great place if you are into paranormal topics and you are always looking for something to listen to. Just download that Paranormal Radio app and you'll find something. There's always something there to listen to, whether it be a live show that may be happening or they have tons of podcasts there and, uh, they have great streaming channels of nothing but old art bell shows. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I like to go back and listen to some of those sometimes if I'm driving around or maybe sometimes when I'm just chilling in the house, you know, have the, have the uh, art bell playing in the background. And I just, uh, I just wrapped up what'll probably be, uh, my last round of, Guest hosting Midnight in the Desert for a while because Dave's back from, from mm-hmm. filming. He's uh, back off the road, so he'll be sitting in the the big chair every night. So if you want to check out Midnight in the Desert, just go to midnightinthedesert.com. If you missed some of the shows that I was on, then you can become a time traveler and subscribe to the show, and then you'll be able to get all of those past episodes, even going all the way back to when Art first started the show. So it's uh it's well worth becoming a time traveler, especially so you can hear those shows with me. Right. We, we did a couple of great shows the last few nights. And what's funny is, so I got home Thursday at like 6 o'clock. I mowed my lawn, part of my lawn, mm-hmm. and went into the house and had some dinner and everything. And I went to bed at like, like 8 o'clock. So I slept from 8 o'clock to about 11, mm-hmm. 11. 15, Woke up. Posted Midnight in the Desert. And then I didn't go to sleep. I usually have like an hour where I can sleep between Midnight in the Desert and getting up to come in here mm-hmm. and do the news. I didn't sleep. Okay. Oh, I just stayed awake. So then I stayed awake all the way until 8.30 last night. And then I slept from 8.30 to about 11, 11 mm-hmm. 15, Got up and I went to sit down and do Midnight in the Desert. And I had set up everything, and just in case I overslept a little bit. Mm-hmm. I had set up everything ahead of time. So I have... There's, there's all these different functionalities that I need to have running to do the show. So I have to have my time clock because there's hard breaks with that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Dave helped me out and, and gave me the, the, the best setup to use. So I have a clock that tells me the exact real time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I have a countdown timer that counts down the 25 minute and 30 second segment mm-hmm. before the commercial break. And then I have, uh, there's a call-in system for people that want to call in to ask questions. So I have that up on another screen. Then I have, uh, you know, Facebook open so that I can go back and forth with Keith and Michelle during the show with anything that, you know, I need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, usually Keith will tell me, like, if, if I need to have the guest because I'm the one that communicates with the guest. So if right. I need to have the guest, you know, get closer to the microphone or whatever. And um, so I had everything ready, everything set up. And then I go into the into my office I sit down with about ten minutes to go before the show. That's usually when I call the guests, get them on the phone, go back and forth with them a little bit. We had Vince Wilson on last night, who was who was fantastic. We'll we'll definitely have to have him on Spooky South Coast. And then as I sat down, I went. I was like, "Oh, let me plug in my phone." And I don't have my air conditioners in yet. I've been lax in doing that. Mm-hmm. I I took them out of the basement, put them outside the house, like. A month ago, mm-hmm. thinking that I'd need to put them in, but I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't really want to pay the high electric bill, right? So I'm going to wait. But I think in the meantime, you know, I think some hornets might have gone into them. So,
1: and we all know how you feel about those.
0: Can't stand hornets. Right. So, uh, you know, I sprayed them down, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, you know, I've been plugging them in outside just to like make sure that there's nothing in them. But anyway, so those weren't plugged in. Um, nothing unusual in my house running for power. I go and I plug in my phone, and I knocked out. No way. My office is on its own zone. Mm-hmm. So I knocked off that whole zone and I had to go downstairs and reset everything, but then I had to wait for the router to reboot mm-hmm. and all that stuff before I could connect and then you know, write it like right yeah. to get ready for midnight. So I was a few minutes late to start the show, but you know, we, we found our way through it. But it just figures like that was my I've had so many issues over the last few months. Yeah. Like one night there was a thunderstorm and I you know, I almost lost power, I was having brownouts. Uh, it's just it's 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 always you never know what's gonna happen. When you're trying right. to do those shows, but I always get through it and I always make it happen. So Well, you
1: know what's coming.
0: There was that, uh, don't tell me, don't say anything to do with Mercury.
1: I won't tell you that it's going into retrograde on the 7th.
0: Well, I mean, I'm not hosting so in Midnight pre-faith. in the Desert for a while, so I'm not worried about it. But uh, there was the night that I was hosting it from our hotel room. Yep. In uh, Not our hotel room. <laughs> my hotel room when we were staying in the hotel yep. in uh, in um, Saugus. And so I had to host the show that night and mm-hmm. I spent the first hour talking into the wrong end of my microphone.
1: Yes, yes, I do remember so that.
0: That was but that was human error. That's, that was just you. That's my own fault. That's because I can't I showed up so full of sagas wings and in such a hurry <laughs> to do the show because right. we had been at the Kowloon that uh I didn't really think of things correctly as I was. You rushed down. out of
1: there. I paid your bill with your card.
0: And I paid eight dollars for an Uber to literally take me across the street. Literally across to, the street
1: because you can't get across on your own.
0: No, there's a barrier and you can't get through it, so you have to go around. And it's bad yeah. for
1: business, I think.
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> I understand why they do it because of the way the road is. But yeah. you would think with all those businesses that have been there for all those years, they would come up with a system, some sort of a system that yep. would allow for you know some some left turns to be made right. or right turns to be made they or what should. have you. You know, so. But now that I've said it out loud, all I can think about is the Kowloon. Really? What did you think about it? I mean, I didn't really have a chance to talk to you about it. I know there were some people that were like kind of disappointed by it.
1: I wasn't was really impressed. Our yeah, waiter was Yeah, he was, was horrible. And then he disappeared. So I think that definitely adds to it. Um, the food was okay. I wouldn't say I was overly impressed.
0: I think the food was definitely a little off that night. Okay. Good to um, know. But generally, like the food there is fantastic. Okay. And I will forever want to go back
1: yeah it wasn't i it, it wasn't one of those where like oh my god i have to go back you know we have to go to this place and i don't remember what it's called but it's in the seaport district of austin and it's a little asian place and it's amazing
0: and i am gonna just throw out a plug here because i can't get enough of it but if you haven't been to the charred oak tavern in middleborough mm-hmm. and i can i can throw that plug out on the radio because they're a, they're a client and yep. they're one of the sponsors of the station and and uh, and i do the i do the spots for them mm-hmm. i'm the i'm the voice of charred oak tavern which is which pretty you cool. told me about. Yep. But uh it's definitely worth going and checking out if you haven't been. Awesome place. Uh if you love whiskey, it's the perfect not. place to go because they have every conceivable kind of whiskey. And the bartenders will basically give you a class on whiskey if you don't know about it. Mm-hmm. Like they're so knowledgeable. You will know so much about whiskey just going there. But even if you don't drink whiskey, it's not a big deal. Right. The food is amazing. I brought uh brought our friend Jeff Belanger there the other yes. night. And uh I don't think he'll mind me, you know, talking about mm-hmm. us going there and, and eating. But, you know, I told him, I said, <laughs> you've got to get the bacon on the clothesline. And he m- is a full convert now. Really? After going there, yeah. Like, uh, it was funny because uh, they give you five thick slices of candied bacon hanging on the this little clothesline the thing the they bring to said. the table. Yep. And they give you butterscotch dipping sauce. And so there's five pieces and there's two of us. Mm-hmm. So I had to he had to he's looking at that fifth one and he says to me he goes go ahead eat that last piece of bacon and I was like no you're the getting as soon as I said that he was reaching over and grabbing it because it is it is that good but he he got the seafood casserole. Yep. And you know you don't think a middle bar was like a seafood place mm-hmm. but uh he said it was one of the best things he's ever had so wow. Yeah. Sorry Jeff that I'm using you to give a plug to the to the charred oak tavern but
1: He'd have to be listening
0: right now to know. You never know. <laughs> you, you know, you never know if I'm going to be there. If you if you ever want to hang out with me and, and buy me a drink, just go to the Charred Oak Tavern. I may be there. Mm-hmm. They have this Kentucky Vanilla Bourbon Barrel Cream Ale. Okay. And if, if you've ever gone out to a bar and they've had the Bourbon Barrel beers. Yep. They usually serve them to you in a brandy snifter. Mm-hmm. Like it's a small glass And they charge you like Eight or nine bucks for it Right But it's so good But it's so strong That's why they give you Such a small amount At the Charred Oak They give you like A 12 or a 14 ounce glass of it And it's mm-hmm. seven bucks So I'm in heaven when I go there That's That great. maybe a whiskey Definitely some maybe food Maybe everything <laughs> Well we we did the live remote there With, mm-hmm. with Fun 107 last week And They, get, they brought out some of their 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 best meals. Mm-hmm. And Jackson and Pam, they sampled some of it, but like they don't have big appetites. So mm-hmm. I gladly just polished okay. off the rest of everything. <laughs> Pam left and she didn't even finish. we they have IBC root beer. I'm uh, not mm-hmm. IBC uh, Barks Root Beer in yep. glass bottles. Generally I don't like barks. Like it's not root beery enough yeah. for me. But in a glass bottle it's a different story. So like as soon as she left I was like, Well she's not gonna finish that. She she didn't <laughs> drink out of the bottle. She was pouring right. into a glass. So but yeah, I was definitely the scavenger that day, getting all the leftovers. And uh, just going to throw this out there. I know it's probably not something that you like, but if you like shrimp Mozambique, they have shrimp Mozambique fondue. That's weird. They put shrimp Mozambique into a big bowl of warm, you know, hot cheese, mm-hmm. and then they give you a bunch of homemade tortilla chips, and you dip it into the thing, and you scoop up the shrimp and the cheese with it. Very good the nope. bacon is still like
1: it for you yeah okay. and so they're
0: showing us photos mike mike and uh and matt are the owners and twin brothers from Fairhaven. Mm-hmm. and so they're showing us the photos of they they had an, an event there and they they have this giant thing where they have 50 slices of the bacon mm-hmm. so they go around with this thing during parties and everybody gets to take a slice off the, the thing for bacon and all i'm thinking in my head is Middleborough Town Hall <laughs> is right across the street over there. Yep. All of our house is right down the street there. Yep. We are putting together some kind of an event. Are we? Where we go to both of those places in the same night and have dinner at the Charred Oak Tavern for the entire group.
1: Booze and bacon.
0: I think uh, I think we can make it happen. Okay. So we'll, we'll get working on that. And also, I don't know if anybody out there has gone to the Legend Trips Facebook page lately, but there's a little bit of buzz going on that page. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's all about. Just so coincidentally, it went up the same night that that Jeff and I had dinner, so strange. You might want to go follow that page if you don't already or maybe because we haven't done something in a while, you haven't been paying attention to it, so go go check that out because there'll be an announcement soon. So I'm just uh I was just scanning the the chat on the YouTube channel, mm-hmm. which you can go and join in if you go to spookysouthcoast.com, click on the Live video tab, or if you go to YouTube and look up Spooky South Coast, you'll see it there. I'm just looking to see if there's anybody that's been to Chard Oak that was offering some of their own...
1: I didn't see anything.
0: Their own uh, suggestions. I had the Bison Burger the other night. Did you? Oh, man.
1: How late are they open? Because at this point, I'm just so going to make good. you go over there. So good. When we're done. Or we're just going to end now and go.
0: I think if I, I think if I called them up and said, hey, you know, I'm coming over. Stephanie and I want some bacon.
1: Make a call because I'm starving. <laughs>
0: they would have they would have some of that bacon ready for us. And you're not a big bacon person, right? I'll eat bacon, but you're not. You're not one of you like me. I'm not over the top about it.
1: I'm I'm not over the top about meat, period. But the only part that I eat when it comes to like pork is is bacon. But
0: you know, there's there's people that are like, oh, bacon is life. I'm not no, one of no, those no. people. I'm not either. But they're they're trying their hardest to convert me over there. <laughs> because like they do when they do scallops and bacon instead mm-hmm. of like wrapping a scallop with some thin bacon yep. they take a big thick slice of that candied bacon lay it flat giant pan seared scallop mm-hmm. right on the middle of it you want to wrap the bacon around it that's up to you but they're giving it to you like this and i just pick it up and i fold the bacon over a little bit oh my god
1: you need to stop talking about food i'm going to die
0: i am starving i haven't eaten all day so Ugh. So I, had, uh, I had a slice of pizza from the Seven Eleven. 11 That's <lunch>. so gross. That's <laughs> hey, no, not that bad. Ugh. And that concludes that the, that, that the spooky snack coast portion of the show. Right. Uh, good evening. You're on Spooky <laughs> South Coast.
4: You people are funny talking about food at this hour.
0: I'm starving. This-
4: <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, Tim, about the um, 36 Maple Street. Has anything come about uh, with that?
0: 36, refresh my memory.
4: Uh, 36 Maple Street. You had that house on Facebook that, um, I guess.
0: We oh, don't... yeah, no, uh, yeah, no we, yeah, we don't, we're not giving out the address. That's, <laughs> that's why I was, uh, I oh. was a little confused. Cause like, I didn't, I didn't want to know the actual address for it, but now I know the house that you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, oh I'm sorry. No, 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 no problem at all. No problem at all. They had, um... they just asked us not to, not to publicize it.
4: Oh, I see. Well, they had a walking tour. And I guess that was on the tour, so I don't know. Oh, oh really? Yeah.
0: Oh, is that maybe that's something that Luann uh, A Luanne, couple of weeks ago. That maybe that's something Luann put together with Wailing yeah, City Ghosts.
4: i was just wondering.
0: So, from what I understand, she says um, that they they have frequent activity there all the time, but that they've just gotten used to it.
4: Oh my goodness.
0: So they don't really they don't really worry about it anymore. They oh, just basically what? live with it. Well, that's fine. Yeah. Y- you know, you got to think though, a lot of the houses in that area must have similar mm-hmm. activity you know Why? well because look at them all they're all they're all kind of victorian our homes right they're beautiful and yeah. you got to think of all the history that's happened there Yeah. and uh, you're probably dealing with people that love those homes mm-hmm. you know we're building their dream houses there mm-hmm. and so then when they pass on why wouldn't they want to go back there and hang around right and you know it's, it's
1: back in that day too they put a lot of pride into the how they decorated the homes and oh, yeah. everything else. So
4: I've been on a, a, a tour, you know, where you go inside the homes. and mm-hmm. honest to peak.
1: Yeah, around Christmas time they used to have them.
4: Oh, my God. Yes, around Christmas time yep. it was. I'll tell you, they really, like you just said, they put a lot into their homes back when. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, all good things, uh, you know, like the floors, I mean, it was amazing. The one I went into um, on Irving Street, they had uh, their entryway. It was all this mosaic tile. Oh my God, it was so beautiful.
0: Wow. And, and that's what I loved about houses from those from that era. Even if they're not, you know, in the Victorian style, right. but if there's something from maybe like the the mid eighteen hundreds uh, to about maybe the nineteen fifties, is you were getting a lot of houses that had their own. Distinct character. Not everything looked the same. No. Not everything was, you know, cookie cutter. Now, what What do they do? They build, you know, they build these developments where they have, you know, 30 houses in a neighborhood that all look exactly the same.
4: Mm-hmm. Can I ask you something about the radio station? Is it because you people t- talk so fast, you have to do that? Um,
2: I don't Between,
4: you know, you have just so many minutes to... To, you know, to get your news done and uh, get to the weather. and uh, Sometimes it's so hard to grasp what you people are saying. Because
0: I mean, I've been accused of being a fast talker, but I, I don't oh, know if it's yeah, a... Oh,
4: you're, yeah, you're wicked some days. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know if it's like a station thing. You feel like it's something <laughs> with the whole station?
4: Oh, well, not... Well, certain ones on there, yeah, yeah. Now, that gentleman that's uh, in the evening there, that uh, Shapiro,
0: mm-hmm.
4: he's uh, I like him, but I. I it's... It's very hard to understand him.
0: Well, yeah. No, I, think, I think Ben Shapiro oh. drinks a two-liter bottle of Coke before he goes on
4: <laughs> every show. He's loaded with caffeine by the sounds of the way he's just... Oh, I, I'm lucky if I can get a, a whole sentence out of the whole night, for God's sake.
0: It's, it's funny because we have an alarm that beeps uh, that if there's dead air for a couple of seconds, this alarm will kick in so that people in the building know, hey, something's wrong. So you can run in and kind of fix things that are going on. And, you know, sometimes when when Michael Savage is on or even sometimes even sometimes when Barry's on, you know, that that thing will beep because they talk at a a different pace and they'll stop for, you know, dramatic pauses or, you know, they'll stop to kind of let something sink in with the listener and then the thing starts beeping. But I know that when it comes to the news, I'm on a time limit. So That's I, what I,
4: it's going to be. It has to be.
0: I probably do tend to speed up a little bit.
4: Yeah, and uh, I, I, Mike Savage, I like, he's fine. I can grasp everything he's saying. And it's Barry as well, yeah. So, I guess people have different voices. Their, their voices are different from uh, one from another. I don't know. It's just, uh sometimes I, you're really tuned in and you want to listen to what that particular subject, and you can't grasp everything.
0: Well, it's so fast. I'll, I'll tell you this much. Starting Monday, you'll have a different news person.
4: Really? So,
0: yep, I won't be in the newsroom anymore.
4: Where are you going?
0: Well, I've, I, about, a, about a year ago, I got a new position here in the station. Oh. So I run the websites and the social media and... So I'm really, like, working behind the scenes on all the digital stuff.
4: So you like that better?
0: I do. And I was just filling in on news because, you know, when Taylor left, he had the opportunity to go with Howie Carr. Yeah. And it came together kind of quickly, so I was just filling in until we found the new news director. So the new news director will debut on Monday morning.
4: Very good. Very good. And thanks for talking to me. Oh,
0: anytime. Thank you for listening. All righty. Take care. Good night. 508-996-0500 508-996-0500 if you would like to call in with any thoughts. Uh, bringing it back to um, the discussion that we were having uh, earlier with some of these historic places and having, uh, you know, Moniz and I talked about it a little bit last week, mm-hmm. having these places that have kind of paranormal cultural significance. You know, we've we've taken different sides of this over the years depending on different places because... In the end, you know, if you buy a place, say you buy the Conjuring House or say yeah. you buy the Lizzie Borden House or you buy the Anne House or what have you, you know, you would like to think that you are the steward of the history of what's gone on there. Mm-hmm. But in the end, you're also the owner of the house and it's right. your call what you're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so if, you know, the Lizzie Borden House decided we're going to, you know, you can still come here and, and rent rooms, but we're going to stop the tours. Or if the people that own the Amityville house, which has been the case over the years, they, you know, we don't want to have anything to do with the paranormal world or, you know, any of these different places say, you know, we've made what happened with the Houghton mansion, right. Where they said, you know, we're not going to allow for any more of these, uh, paranormal events to happen here We're we're, we're going to run it as a Masonic lodge. And then even beyond that, then they had to sell it on top of that. Uh, but before that they 'd even made the determination to like stop doing the paranormal stuff so if you ultimately if you 're the owner of the property it 's your choice
1: I just have i don 't know i 've been sitting here this whole time trying to figure out what it is that that bothers me about it and call it intuitive feelings, call it logical thinking, call it what have you i 've had this discussion quite a few times over the past i mean god years now, but more so publicly in the last two weeks and I will forever say I don't work for the living. I work for the dead. Mm -hmm. And my job is not to go out and to give the living readings to satisfy them or whatever it might be. Do I do that at events and different things like that to help people heal and to to work with them? Yes, but mainly because I am also working for those that have passed on to bring them closer to those that they've left behind. That's the way I've always looked at it. In in order to bring to be the medium to literally bring the two together for almost like a family reunion to let everybody know that everybody's okay. And when it comes to spirits, historical spirits, when it comes to earthbound spirits, when it comes to confused spirits, whatever it might be, my job is to work for them to tell their untold story, to tell their lost story, to tell the lost history in order to make them feel more comfortable dealing with the living. And. What are we doing as the living, purchasing these houses and exploiting them in their activity or whatever it might be in order for a profit?
0: Yeah, well, I don't know, though, because. I don't know if necessarily every place where they have activity is not. You know, maybe just like, you know, human beings that are living like mm-hmm. to some people like to perform. Right. Maybe there's some people who have passed not on. Not everything like perform. is like that.
1: Right. But some are.
0: You know, and we've, we've had discussions about different places and what we think is the real mm-hmm. story behind the activity. And I'm not saying we think that they're that they're faking anything or that we think that there's there's no activity. that They're pulling strings to make doors close, or whatever. What I'm saying is, like, we think that there's something else paranormally happening right? that, and, and this is kind of what Moniz and I were talking about last week, we tend to take the story that we most want to apply to the paranormal and that's right. what we apply to it. Mm-hmm. So it might be, you know, like, let's use, because I use Lizzie Borden as an example all the time, let's use the Oliver House instead. Yep. So the Oliver House, you know, they've done a lot of research mm-hmm. into the house and they've done a lot of investigative work to try to back up some of that and to, to figure out who it is that they're dealing with, which spirits they're talking to, which spirits they're interacting with. And I will just say this straight out, I think that they're, you know, right. I don't mm-hmm. I don't think that there's any reason to doubt what it is that they've come up with. However, let's just say it was something else, maybe something more sinister or maybe something elemental or anything like that that was just kind of pretending to be those things. Right. Or it could be something that's just, existing or some other spirit completely and we're just trying to shape that based on our history i think the fearing tavern was a place where we were worried about that happening mm-hmm. because there's so much different activity there that happens but there's no you can't pinpoint mm-hmm. any error you can't pinpoint any many with that. yeah. right so you know you just have to take it as it comes and get bits and pieces of it and what have we done there we've never been able to put together any kind of narrative there Because the activity, while it happens and while it's strong and while it, you know, is something that we can go back again and again. It's
1: also ever-changing there because it was a stagecoach stop.
0: And so it's hard to come up Mm -hmm. with who it is that we think is is haunting this place. Right. We just know that it's haunted. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you you know, the the Parson Barnard House is another example of that, which I Mm -hmm. mentioned earlier. That's a place where you go there thinking you're going to interact with. Reverend Barnard, mm-hmm. because he is the one that is associated with that house, and he's the one that has the history with the witch trials, uh, and he's the one that has the history with the witch trials that has to be amended because mm-hmm. of the new research that's come out and all of that stuff. So you think that that's who you're going to deal with when you go there, and then you end up dealing with Simeon Putnam. Right. And you're in the basement now, and you're getting, you know, mm-hmm. accosted in the dark by Simeon Putnam. And it's just a totally different. Right. Aspect of the but narrative that's, that's than the what we're looking part,
1: for. That's the important part to dig in to find out. Who's there that's passed on and the responsibility of the living, like someone like you that digs into the history and finds out, oh, my God, this guy, you know, didn't have anything to do with the witch trials like we thought he did. And let's go there and try to make it right, because people have been going in this house and blaming him for these things for however many years, which I think is the irresponsibility of people that are in the paranormal or in general thinking that he had something to do with it. Well, I think it
0: was just incorrect history. Correct. More than anything.
1: But this poor spirit has been tortured. (laughs) for years where he's actually kind of quiet and he just does his own thing and he's not really active in that home so
0: you know and what's funny is we got more interaction with him when we showed up well when I showed up you weren't there the first time Mm -hmm. that I was there but when we showed up there and it was only just kind of the beginning of trying to change that narrative yeah uh, we got more activity that we felt was from him mm-hmm. than when we went back for the exoneration. Right. You know, when I was expecting him to be like, thank you, or, you know, not, not right. to say. I expected that ghost to thank me for what I did. <laughs> but, you know, I just expected there yeah. to be some sort of reaction to what it was that we were doing. And uh, and he was actually relatively quiet that night. Right. And, you know, we it's never quiet with Simeon, so he's always, right. you know, causing some problems. But that's, I think that that's a big part of Going to these places and, and, and even taking on the responsibility of running these places is you can't let it be pigeonholed. Right. Even though that seems to make the most sense. The Veliska Axe Murder House. Obviously, that was a tragic event. Yes. Obviously, that's going to leave some sort of a stain and some sort of a mark. Mm-hmm. But what if that's not what you're dealing with when you go there? What if oh, you're absolutely. not dealing with the spirits that are associated what with What I that? don't
1: understand is why stick a sign on the front lawn that says Axe Murder House? <laughs> like, well, it's a catchy oh,
0: marketing title.
1: Exactly. And it's like, what are you marketing to? Like, if you go to Lizzie Borden's in Fall River, it's not Lizzie Borden took an axe and murdered her whole family on the front lawn. It's the Lizzie Borden br- well, bed But and people
0: breakfast. have different philosophies of how yeah, they it's wanted. just
1: Yeah, it's, it's just bizarre.
0: And also, I would I would venture to guess that, you know... If you're looking at it, the Lizzie Borden house is going to be more iconic mm-hmm. and more well-known. So people are going to be able to drive by and be like, oh, that's the Lizzie Borden house, with with not any more frame of reference than having seen it somewhere else. A place like Velisca, it's going to be a little bit harder to know that that's the house if they don't put the sign out know. in front of it.
1: I just think it's, at some point we should sit back and think to ourselves, the victims of what happened in, we'll say Villisca, because we're talking about it, are they sitting around thinking, are they stuck in that home, first and foremost? I've never been, so I don't know, but right. are they?
0: But there's something there. I mean, I and, I trust Johnny and all the work that he's done there.
1: And are they sitting around and thinking, like, these people took a sign and put it on the front lawn of my home that said, I got murdered here. And people are just coming in, like, you know, tourists with their cameras around their necks and taking photos. And it's like, you know, are they are they doing... The dead any good?
0: I mean, maybe I'm... Are they
1: telling the true story? Are they doing what they're supposed to? Are they helping the spirit? Or are they just coming in and observing and exploiting it and trying to make money off of it or whatever it might be?
0: Maybe I'm the a-hole a little bit here.
1: Which is okay. This is why we're talking.
0: I would also say part of that has to be, you know, you're dead. So, like, you don't really have a say anymore. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I think that we should try to get it right as much as we can, Mm -hmm. but I also think, like, exploiting it, if you feel like it's it's exploiting it, like, you're dead. And my belief, and we can debate about this, Mm -hmm. but they don't have to be there. So if you're that upset about it, just go away.
1: That is like the most a hole thing I've ever heard you say.
0: Listen, I just I, I feel like we should get it right, and I feel like we should be respectful. We shouldn't be walking in there and be like, uh, "Hey, ghost, how did it feel when that axe went through your brain?" No,
1: and I hate when people do that. But again, we're ho- we're hosting some people, some people, not myself, are hosting events where even some people that claim to be celebrities that have no idea what they're doing are walking into places like that and saying. Oh, how did it feel when you died? I watched a TV show the other night, and I won't mention which one, that said something along the lines of, like, you're dead. And it's like, why are you saying that? Like, what, what good does that do? Well, where, where does that go when it comes to this? Because if you walk in and you have a simple conversation with a spirit of just like you and I are talking right now you're going to get more activity. You're going to get more of an answer. Just like, we you know, when a- we had Amy on when it came to um, the Maplecroft episode mm-hmm. and she said when they came in and they started talking about the murders, they got nothing. Nothing was happening for days. When they started talking to her, speaking about Lizzie, they got more activity.
0: I, I mean, uh, Vince Wilson and I kind of went back and forth about this a little bit last night about, you know, provoking. Yeah. And, you know, and he basically said, uh, you know, I understand why people do it and I don't. I don't really necessarily have a thought about it one way or the other. I mean, it is something that is disrespectful most of the time. But then again, you know, I don't know, like how much respect do we have to show all the time for things? You know, I think it's okay to be a little bit pushy. Because also, just for example, you're going to go into a haunted house and and. uh, I'll use the Lizzie Borden house. You're going to go into the Lizzie Borden house and try and talk to Lizzie Borden. Isn't that disrespectful to all the other ghosts that might be around there? Because you're showing up there and saying, like, we want to talk to Lizzie. We're looking for Lizzie Borden.
1: But that's what I'm saying. Like, go in without an agenda and see who truly is there, like we just talked about.
0: Yeah, but that's not what people are doing. When but they... why
1: not? Because we're teaching them the wrong way.
0: No, I don't think it's necessarily that. I think it's because you've got four hours to investigate the Lizzie Borden house. So you just want to kind of get to it. And I think more provocation comes from that than it comes from people just, you know, being jerks about it. I think more provocation just comes from, hey, guys, we've, we've only got a couple hours left. Let's see if we can stir something up. Mm-hmm. More so than people saying, like, I'm going to go in and just be a jerk.
1: I've seen a lot of I'm just going to go in and be a jerk lately. I get on the phone with someone um, two weekends ago. I don't even remember, but either way, she let me know that, um, she provokes nonstop because otherwise no activity happens. And that literally made my head want to pop off because that's what we're teaching people. That's what television shows are teaching people. You go in, you yell at ghosts and that's when you get activity. Oh my God, I get scratched all the time. Well, you're getting scratched because you're screaming at ghosts or you're being, I mean, you're provoking, you're being rude. You're, you're going in because you think that television is is what's teaching you that this is the only way to get activity. So we're in the world of demonic, scratching, being injured, all this stuff, but all we're teaching people is to yell at ghosts and to be violent when they go in there. So like if somebody came yelling into my home, I think I'd be reacting the same way
0: too. So but it's not really the fault of television for for teaching that no, it's the fault of the people that watch the television shows. For having that be what they want to see on television and being that's what they're responding to. so
1: it's, uh, it's tough to find a show these days that doesn't do that.
0: So what we're saying is that people respond, viewers respond to seeing
2: mm-hmm.
0: that type of an attitude, right? Yep. So then why wouldn't people that are dead that are in these places not respond to that same type of attitude? If that's people's general nature... The nature of what they want to see on television is also the same nature of what they're going to want to respond to when you go into a place and is investigate. Is it their
1: general nature, or is that what they're being taught to do in that specific...
0: I don't, I don't, think, I don't think paranormal TV has taught anybody anything. I think it has made suggestions to what is already our basest instincts. Mm. The,
1: ma- the amount of traveling that I've done over the past two years in places are much different than New England, and I've learned that the hard way... Um, People's responses to what I do as a psychic medium or their responses to ways that I've investigated or people's responses to, we'll say, table tipping or things like that. Um, When we did table tipping at Greasy Luck, Mm -hmm. when you went live on my phone or whatever it was, people were saying, oh, thank God that you had a K2 meter out because now I know there's activity because otherwise there wouldn't be.
0: But that's a different story.
1: It's, it, but that's the mentality nowadays.
0: No, but that's that's different than, than. But how would they the, know that? Right, but the understanding, like saying, like they they they're developing their theories of the paranormal based on what they're seeing on television. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree with that. But that's a different story. I'm talking about like what you're playing into them from a dramatic angle. That comes from what people are interested in. You know, mm-hmm. people, know. there's a reason why football is so popular. There's a reason why people like to watch combat sports. You know, there's a reason why people like movies with dramatic tension. It's because right. they Hockey, like to see whatever. they, they, they like, like to see, see the conflict. Fight. Right. And so that's, you know, when it comes I am going to put provoking and 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 encountering negativity in an investigation in a different basket mm-hmm. than investigating with techniques and equipment like they're used to seeing on TV. 100%, you were right in that regard that you know, they have to have a K2 meter because they see everybody have a K2 meter on TV. That that I can get behind. I'm talking about the emotional side of things. I think that that plays into just human beings' basic basest instincts.
1: Some people, for sure. But I do think that we're not doing anybody any favors by showing people that that's what we should be
0: doing. But not everybody's enlightened. So... There's a, there's, I'm
1: trying not to name names here either. There's but. a lot
0: of people that watch pro wrestling every week. Right. It's the biggest show on cable television.
1: But I feel like a lot of those people are actually really good role models, whether they wrestle or not.
0: Well, I don't know about that. But the.
1: They go out and they do a lot of good things for kids.
0: Right. But in terms of like the characters that people are watching on right. TV, that's what people are seeing. And so, like, that's kind of what people are looking for. They're looking for that very basic. Good versus evil, bad guy versus good guy. Mm -hmm. And so, in a paranormal respect, like if you have to pin, you have to have the good guy hero investigator that you're pinning up against bad guy activity. And I know that it's not right, and I know that it's not the way that it plays out in real life and in actuality. Mm -hmm. But from a television perspective, that's the kind of storytelling that needs to be done. So, I mean again we can we can unpack all of that some other time right because it's going to take a, a much deeper dive and- oh it
1: definitely will and you know from that tv standpoint yes i understand what you're talking about and by about, the way but- it's
0: not it's not something that's like discussed right. it's not something that's talked about where we say in a meeting like all right well let's see what, the, what 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 dramatic tension can we cause in this investigation it's just the natural way that it plays out when you're on an investigation and there's a camera behind you mm-hmm. you know you you just put yourself mentally in the spot of like I'm the hero here. And I don't mean like they think highly of themselves, but they just think like I'm the audience's perspective. I'm the person that they want to, you know, that they're behind. And we're going into this dark place and seeing what's going to come at us. And, and yes, there is an emphasis on trying to find negativity cases. Right. No, nobody ever wants to go and film a paranormal show at a place where people think that they encounter angels. Like it's just.
1: Isn't it's, that fascinating though?
0: Because there's no dramatic tension there.
1: But it's super fascinating because there are people that would be interested in that. But
0: maybe for you, I wouldn't give two craps about that.
1: I, yeah, but do you give two craps about the negativity, or are you just kind of in the middle?
0: I don't think I'm kind of in the middle, but like I wouldn't want to if somebody was like, "Oh, we're going to go and, and achieve, you know, ultimate enlightenment," I'd be like, "Well, no, good for you. I don't want to watch that."
1: I don't think searching for angels would be. No, but I'm just that. I'm just
0: saying, like, if, like, if that's... those TV
1: shows that um where people have like those bizarre accidents and they don't know how they're alive type thing or like the stories of like unseen things helping them. Like, I think that's fascinating. But like searching for angels would be weird. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, I think a lot of people also watch those things because they
1: people like a feel good story. It, it's
0: not just that, but it's like. It's so it's such a dramatic thing that they came back from mm-hmm. that. That is where the the tension is. That's where the drama comes from. But
1: if that was rewritten with, they, I think a demon saved
0: me. They they just it's it, they just want to see how bad somebody got effed up. I think, that's what they really want to see. I
1: think the way your brain works is is a little twisted, my friend.
0: Yeah, it might be, but you know, I,
1: I do have to make a point to tell everybody. How many in the more chat people room? watch
0: shows about like hoarding and and where people like you know weigh nine hundred pounds? You know, like, that's what we really like to see. I know, but that's what America likes to watch. But why? Because America's got mental problems. Sorry, I didn't (laughs) mean to cut you off.
1: I was trying to let people know in the chat room that despite the fact that we are talking about this right now, we still love each other and we'll be best friends when we get off the air. Because um, you might have angered a few people against me.
0: I didn't anger anybody against you. If people are angry at you, that's of your own doing. Don't blame it on me. (laughs) Why are you putting it on me that people get mad at you?
1: Because they got mad and they said that they side with you. I wasn't intending that to happen.
0: I can't help it if I'm the more persuasive arguer.
1: For one person. Um,
0: Maybe that one person. That wasn't
1: my entire intent either was to win an argument. I'm just putting thought processes out there in order for people to listen and hear two different sides of something because eventually you and I come together and agree on something and then come apart again. Maybe but that's that the one entire person is just as
0: messed up as I am. You don't know that.
1: You are twisted. I will give yeah. you that.
0: No, we're just going back and forth. We're just debating. There's no...
1: I do have to say, I am, and it, it, you know, cat's out of the bag now, I am very curious to see um, the outlook and the concept of Grant Wilson's Ghost Hunters reboot.
0: Well, we didn't even get into all that. We didn't. Uh,
1: and we don't have enough time yeah, to. Yeah,
0: we don't. I do want to run the week in weird and the final few moments that we have. But yeah, we've got... it's. It might be something worth hanging on to for an upcoming episode because we've got Grant Wilson's Ghost Hunters. We've got Jason Hawes's Ghost Nation. Yep. And the entire paranormal world is like, what's going on?
1: Right. Which they both addressed publicly.
0: People have different... Interests. Interests in different ways that they want to do things.
1: Just because they started out together doesn't mean that they have to stay together. People evolve. They change. They grow. You know, there's no animosity. You
0: don't... I'm not there for everything that you do. Right. If you go and do an event, I'm not there. Right. If you go on... You do your own
1: events and then schedule them on purpose when I'm not around.
0: If you go... That's because you schedule events and you don't bring me on. But if you go on a radio (laughs) interview... We still love each other. I promise. If you go on a radio interview, (laughs) I don't have to be there with you to do the interview. Right. You know? And maybe... Maybe sometimes people are just like, hey, I kind of want to have my own identity on some things. Or maybe I want to have the chance to put things in my direction. Just because you're friends and you work together on something doesn't mean you have the same direction. Exactly. If you said to me, I'm going to start my own podcast where I'm going to talk about different things Mm -hmm. that we wouldn't cover on Spooky South Coast, I'd say, that's awesome. That's Mm -hmm. great. I wouldn't say, well, what the hell? Like, You should be putting all your effort into Spooky South Coast. We could talk about those things because I don't want to talk about them. You know, (laughs) Not that I don't. I'm just saying I'm using that as an example.
1: Well, we've both had people in our lives that have tried to do that to us and it didn't work out very well.
0: All right. Let's see if we can run the weak and weird here. And uh, I'm going to just put the camera on me for a second because otherwise I'm going to make everybody sick. Well,
1: go ahead and do that. But at the same time, um, it needs to be addressed that people think you are very sexy with your new clean look.
0: Well, because I am. I mean, that goes without saying. All right, let's go to uh, Matt Blystein in The weak and Weird.
5: In a world where the paranormal is just a breath away... We're spanning the globe to bring you the best in paranormal news. This is The Week in Weird. Hello, and welcome back to The Week in Weird. Our first story highlights a possible paranormal connection to a well-known tragedy. Stories have been emerging that the meltdown at Chernobyl may have been foretold by the appearance of a mothman. Archaeologist Robert Maxwell has investigated twice at the site of the disaster and has frequently heard stories about the creature. According to the tales, several workers in the control room of the power plant saw a humanoid creature with giant wings and red glowing eyes hovering above both Chernobyl and Pripyat in the days leading up to the meltdown. These same workers also experienced terrifying dreams and strange threatening phone calls prior to the accident. The Blackbird of Chernobyl, as the creature has been named, is also said to have been seen above the plant right before the explosion that set off the nuclear reaction. Mothman sightings often precede a tragedy. The most famous Mothman story includes sightings of the creature throughout November 1967 in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. In December, a suspension bridge spanning the Ohio River collapsed and killed 46 people. There have also been some recent reports of a large winged figure seen lurking around the Dallas Cowboys practice facility. Hopefully everything will be okay. Our next story takes us across the pond to England Where a cozy country cottage is up for sale But buyer beware, this home has a haunted past The house, known as the Cage Is a former jail that housed women accused of witchcraft in the 16th century Of the 14 women who were held in the jail during the St. Ozeth witch trials Three were executed In 1921, two female skeletons were unearthed in a nearby garden both believed to be condemned witches. The history of the building has led many to claim it's the most haunted house in Great Britain. The current owner, Vanessa Mitchell, claims to have seen numerous ghostly figures, found unexplained blood spatters on the floor, and has been pushed over by unseen forces. Her most disturbing experience was a recording of an image on her security cameras of what she describes as an evil goat. Vanessa purchased the home in 2004, and has been attempting to sell the house since 2008. But surprisingly, there have been no takers. Our last story is a true mystery. And by that I mean, I have no idea what the story is going to be. We're shooting earlier than normal this week, and I simply haven't been able to find a third story for the episode. So I'm shooting this intro without actually knowing what the story is. Hopefully, I'll find something interesting, and whatever it turns out to be, I hope you enjoy it. In Bangkok, Thailand, there's a coffee shop called the Death Awareness Café, where you can contemplate your life and place in the world while sipping a latte. The café features decor that you'd normally find in a funeral home, including real coffins. It was opened by PhD candidate Vranut Rojanaprapa as part of his thesis on philosophy and religion. Customers have the option to spend time inside a closed coffin as part of a death awareness experience. Roshanaprapa believes that this practice forces people to reflect on their lives and allows them to become more death-aware so that they can celebrate life. He says when the coffin lid closes, people eventually realize that they can't take anything with them when they die. If getting inside a coffin isn't for you, you can just stop by for a cup of joe. The menu includes themed drinks, such as the one-year-left latte, the one-month-left mocha, and the last-day espresso. Customers who do work up the nerve to lay in a coffin Receive 10% off the beverage of choice. While that's not a deal worth dying for, I'll take it. Well, I have no idea what that story was, but I bet it was incredible. And that's it for this week's installment of The Week in Weird. I'm your host, Matt Bleistein, and I'll see you next week.
0: Matt Blystein with The Week and Weird, and we're just about out of time. As I rush to put that camera back on you before we have to (laughs) say goodbye. But uh, that will do it for this week's show, and uh, we'll be back next week. So until then, you can always reach out to us, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. And uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, at SpookySC, on Instagram, at Spooky underscore SouthCoast. So until next time, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for intern Kylie, who was tweeting from home, and uh, for me, we all want you to stay spooktacular.